And it's a new day. It's a good morning. Good morning, listeners. Welcome to the World Pride Pod Stage, where we introduce you, the listener, to great pods centering queerness during World Pride. The World Pride Pod Stage is produced by Bonnier News Brand Studio for World Pride 2021 here in Malmo, where I am located. It's kind of rainy and gray, but we still love the city and Copenhagen equally so. And Oh my, we have more great content for you today, so strap yourself in because it's coming. Today's featured podcast is from Queer Talks. Needless to say, the queer is in the title. This podcast weaves together different stories and experiences from the QT BIPOC and the LGBTQIA plus communities. For those who haven't heard it today, Pride is a protest. Pride is a celebration, and Pride is a multi-layered, multifaceted community that will be celebrated. This links in perfectly with what Queer Talk tries to do. It is hosted by Spencer Cooper from For the Love of Queers and Mufsin Mia from Pride in London. These two pioneers and trailblazers are awesome and I'm really glad to be airing them today as I think that they really beautifully encapsulate what the international queer community is trying to do. They cover topics such as mental health, uh, trans issues, media representation, non-binary experiences, activism, autism, pride, lockdown, Black Lives Matter, and so on and so on. It is really a podcast worth checking out. So I would like to shine a little bit of light on the fact that what they're doing is countering the fact that we are so often shown and exposed to the oppressions that the queer community faces. So we thought that it is nothing less than absolutely necessary during these strange and turbulent times to add a big old glittered sprinkle on the Pride platform and share this episode with you all. So without further ado, I hope that you've had a cup of coffee, tea, or water, that you have given yourself or a loved one a hug, and that you are ready to listen to some awesome content. Hello and welcome to Queer Talk, a queer podcast that brings you a regular dose of positive news stories and fabulous interviews. Hi! Welcome back to another lovely Pride episode. From grassroots prides to global representation today, we're in Copenhagen and Malmo as we celebrate this year's World Pride event. World Pride, also known as Copenhagen 2021, is the most significant LGBTQ plus event in 2021, combining World Pride, Euro Games, an eclectic arts and culture program, and a historic LGBTQ plus human rights forum. Today we have the pleasure of sitting down with the incredible Anna Tienfeldt. Anna, the spotlight is yours, so please introduce yourself to our listeners. So my name is Anna Tienfeldt, and you uh, really got the name very good for being not a native Swedish speaker. <laughs> my pronouns are uh, she, her, hers, and I am the managing director of World Pride in Malmö. We spoke to some incredible individuals on our previous episodes that answered this question beautifully. What does Pride mean to you? Pride means so many different things to me. I get this question a lot uh, since I've been doing quite a lot of interviews the last few months. But I think for me, it means community, love and siblinghood, 
but also like the fight. The struggle is so real and it's so well needed still. And to me, it's still a very strong focus on human rights and the rights of LGBTQI plus people. So that is, I think, what Pride is for me. That's a great answer because it is a lot about celebration, especially when you come to big events like World Pride. There's a lot of celebration happening and it's important not to lose the fact that we are always going to be a protest. It's always going to be human rights focused. And we see that in Europe as well with what's happening in Hungary and in Poland. It's important that we keep a spotlight on that too. For sure. And I think that it's super important to remember that we cannot expect everything to stay the way that it is or always move forward. And that becomes all too clear right now in our neighboring countries where the rights are actually taking, uh, taken back from people. And uh, yeah. it's not something that we can expect to always be there. It's it's an ongoing struggle that we have to fight for every day in, in our life. Yeah, it really is a struggle too, isn't it? Because we have we have our own journeys as individuals where we have to come out and figure ourselves out and find our identities. And then having to learn how everyone else around the world is experiencing that experience and then fighting for them to have a similar or even better experience than you. It's just a never ending kind of um, fight that we all have to continue doing. So yeah, I think, you know, matching the celebration with the fight is important, but also taking care of ourselves along that journey, because it can be a lot sometimes times too right yeah and also uh, speaking about coming out i think that one thing that people uh don't realize is that lgbtqi plus people uh, needs to come out every day in different forms it's not mm -hmm. l just like doing it once and then you're done it's it's a constant kind of coming out of the closet yeah. so yeah. to speak yeah. uh, at work or with new friends or with any people you meet and we're working really hard with with pronouns and not kind of like uh, knowing people's gender or pronouns yeah. and that is something that is so in people's heads they just yeah. they're so sure and they don't even think about that it could be another way than the way that they yeah. just uh, see it from the beginning and not even in world pride which is a place where we really try to create a safe and and secure atmosphere for all the community members. Not even here, you can always expect people to to ask for your pronouns or or they just assume still. So yeah. I think both within our own community and course outside of the community there's still so much work to be done so we did some digging we did some research on you and i found a pretty impressive bio you've done a lot of things and you do a lot of things but we don't want to do you any injustice by starting telling our listeners you know who you are so could you tell them what you do as managing director well, what I do as Managing Director of World Pride is to work really closely together with, uh, of course, my co-workers, first and foremost. I have an amazing team. I could never have done this without them. And I also work closely with all of our um, partners, both bigger partner organizations, but also smaller community gatherings and also local companies and businesses and um, you know there's a, a huge variety of organizations that we're working with but I think that my my main role in this is just to uh, 
to help everyone do their best job that they can. So yeah. I, it's really the all of the producers, the security team, you know, the all of the different parts of the project that is making this come together. And I'm just yeah. trying to make their job as easy as possible. Kind of. <laughs> You're like everyone's biggest yeah. cheerleader. You're like at the side going like, yeah, you got this, you got this, come I on. <laughs> oh, I really hope I am. <laughs> it sounds like there's a lot that. that goes into it to put on this event and you're just there on your control panel making sure everything's going right (laughs) yeah but again I mean there's so much I mean I get so much of the cred and the uh, spotlight so to speak Mm. and but it's really 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 not me doing this it's a huge team of wonderful people and community members that are bringing this whole event together and I get way too much cred for it. Okay, we won't give you any credit then. (laughs) No credit for you. (laughs) But your team are mostly volunteer-led as well, so there's a lot of people doing it in their own time. Yes, we have, on the Malmö side, we have around 500 volunteers involved, and uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of them have been uh, long-term volunteers. We call them includers, and yeah, they've they've done such an amazing job. And then, of course, we have a lot of employees as well. We have... uh, a few people that's been working all year round, but then we also have a few people that's come in later in a later stage of the uh, planning. But there are so many volunteers and they're just amazing. Uh, they're spreading love and they're actually making this happen right now. Yeah. How long have you volunteered for Prides? I think I did my first Pride maybe 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah, I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) You started Uh, the Pride movement. (laughs) Right. (laughs) No, again, I can't take credit for that, unfortunately. (laughs) But but I think that I was a part of my first Pride about 20 years ago. And then it's been a a part of my both private and work life ever since in in different ways, because I also run a music management company. And a lot of my uh, artists, uh, of course, course uh, have coming back to uh, attending prides all over the world of course it's mm. one of the most important events music management that's exactly why you're perfect for this role you live and breathe these kind of events yeah i've been in festival production uh, pretty much all my adult life uh, mm. but i've also been focusing a lot on human rights and different parts of human rights and to kind of bring those two together is my big dream coming true <laughs> so yeah. uh, to to be able to work with the, my two big passions at, at once which is culture and events and then human rights that i I'm so privileged to be here. It highlights the importance as well, doesn't it? It shows the importance of putting the two together. You're not just, you know, uh, singing for the sake of singing and you're not just shouting about stuff for the sake of shouting. Like every single thing that takes place at a Pride event has so much meaning and it's so personal to so many people. Like the impact that that has, even if people just feel good for that moment, if they hear one song or see one artist that makes them, you know, feel uplifted or feel seen, the whole thing then just like it impacts so many different people so it is really special to be able to bring those two things together and I think the arts have always kind of had a lot to do with that I think arts are a kind of space that don't really exclude anybody a lot of the time you can feel good you know so many people connect with music and musicians and artists and painters and you know really really feel seen by that 
Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of uh, culture and arts, right? To make people feel yeah. something and, and kind of a, get a deeper understanding for something. So uh, one of my artists always says that um, musicians and, and artists, they're uncensored politicians. So yeah. it's it's a way of reaching people, which also comes with a responsibility, I think. It's a way to speak to people's hearts in a way that... Uh, that a politician could never ever do so yeah that really well put can i ask in your 20 years of observing volunteering leading prides have you seen copenhagen and malmo pride change over the years for sure malmo pride is is a really young organization actually and it it has developed it was our sister organization, Adafacel, who is one of the rights organizations here in Sweden, one of the bigger ones, that had the Rainbow Festival that it was called for. So if I'm not mistaken, I think that started in 96. I might be remembering that wrong. but wow. Malmo, I read that Malmo started in 2016. Yeah, but that's Malmo Pride. So before that, yeah. it was it, it was the Rainbow Festival, was Rainbow Festival led by which was 1996. Yeah, and then uh, Malmo Pride was formed from the team that was working on the Rainbow Festival. So yeah. Malmo Pride actually only existed since 2016, and that's a really short amount of time. Of course, Copenhagen Pride has a very long tradition of Pride festivals, and I, of course, haven't always lived in Malmo. I'm not from here <laughs> originally, so and I've seen Pride festivals both all over, first and foremost, all over Sweden, but but also yeah. in different parts of the world. But I do think even though Malmo Pride is a young organization, there has been a Pride festival in Malmö for a long time. And we have a very strong tra tradition in Sweden of Pride festivals. And I, I think as in many other countries, they are existing in super small societies as well, like almost villages on the countryside. Yeah. And there, it's even more important than than in the big cities because those are communities where you know you don't have the big variety of, of people, you don't have your community close to you. Uh, yeah. You need to to kind of see that at least once a year, taking form, uh, physical form, and also just to to get all of your allies visualized um, in in that format. So I think pride. And the Pride movement, it changes lives, it saves lives, and it's so well needed. And not only these big ones, of course, there's a big impact coming with World Pride, and it's such an honor to have it here. And we, I think we're obligated to use this platform to, to make actual sustainable long-term change. Um, but it's as important with, with all of the different Prides organized in smaller societies as well. So it's all needed. It's really interesting because um, in the UK, we're seeing more and more smaller local prides happening, which is great to see because you know we're in a world where we're all very connected now. We can have, we can organize local prides or town prides, not just have that one capital pride um, on that scale. But then we're also seeing we have like Euro pride and world pride where these larger prides are connecting together to make sure that we are all moving forward together. And so it's great to see like, the macro and the micro of prides in this sphere now. 
Um, and with World Pride, it's I think it started in 2000 in Rome. So it's going for like 20 years strong now. And it's great to see it in Copenhagen. Yeah. I think it means as well, we get to take up more space, right? Pride isn't just a day anymore. Mm. Uh, it, it's spread it's out a, across all the year. different... Yeah, we're trying to make it 12 months long. Um, but it's taking, you know, different town, different day, every weekend of the summer, like, for, you know, spreading ourselves out. And actually, I guess that just raises more awareness, more visibility. And like you said, Anna, the, the smaller towns are where it counts more, I think, because growing up, myself in a, in a smaller town, like having seen just even another queer person would have just felt so like revitalized. And I would have been like, okay, so I can go and do that. I can be that person instead of having to wait, you know, 16 years before you can actually just say those words or be yourself or start to express yourself. So it's it's vital that this happens. I have a question. When, I'm not sure who got the call or how the technicalities worked, but when you when you got the, the ask to, you know, host World Pride, um, what was your reaction and how did you feel? Because I'm sure it was quite an overwhelming sensation as well. I'm sure it was. I wasn't here <laughs> for it, though. <laughs> okay. So I've been L- on the lucky. podcast for, for one and a half years. But we actually, because you you um, you apply to uh, to have a World Pride yeah. and Eurogames yeah. in your okay. city. Uh, so Malmö and uh, Copenhagen came together in uh, 2016 to apply for World Pride and Eurogames. And it is the first time the both uh, events are held together in the same place at the same time. So mm-hmm. it's quite amazing to to put those two together and then in when they got the call as I said I wasn't there but I'm sure it was spectacular (laughs) (laughs) it also was a little bit of a rocky period of time in uh, Malmö Pride's history because as I said before it's a quite young organization and kind of finding itself so then there was another project leader for the event on the Malmö side. So I just got in for the last one and a half years of it. But with my board, of course, uh, a few of them have been there along uh, the whole journey. And they're so excited to see this coming together. And a lot of my colleagues on the Copenhagen side has also been there for the whole part of the journey and were uh, initiating the um, the event here and yeah. you know i think it's it's kind of like my baby coming to life <laughs> <laughs> but i can just imagine what it is like for them because to have been there for this whole time and actually made this happen from the start that is quite an achievement yeah when you're working on something for so many years and then to be allowed to host world pride it's like wow all our work's been recognized and there's a lot of pressure to put on an event now, but, you know, it'll, it'll be a great feeling after the week, after a very busy week. To answer your question, Spencer, you have, there is a voting, it's an other prize vote for who hosts World Pride. Oh, I didn't and know. It, and there's a whole pitching process as well. So I think Copenhagen um, and Malmö Pride would have gone with a pitch, a video, yes. a presentation, and, and all the other prides vote. There was a big bid book and there was a, you know, there was a huge project just putting the application together. So, uh, yeah, it's been quite a process. (laughs) I bet, I bet. When I volunteered for Pride in London, we had to, I I was watching the voting for 2023. So I saw Montreal, Sydney all bid for World Pride, the next World Pride. And then Sydney won and it was just like big, everyone's so happy. But I voted for Montreal, so... (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, hopefully it's going to Montreal at a later stage then. But yes. I think Sydney is doing an awesome job as well. We're, of course, in contact with them in, in planning this because that is also part of creating like a sustainable way to do this, mm. to kind of bring things forward from the work we've done and then hand yeah. it over to the next World Pride and so on. And I think we need to get better at that, actually, to um, to um, don't just keep all of our work that we've been doing here, but, but yeah. actually share it with the world and definitely with the next World Pride organizer. I'd say Pride organizations are so specific in how they're structured and what they do and the significance of it so mm. the only other people that you can share knowledge with are the pride organizations you yeah. can't go to another event and be like how do you do it because we want to know because it's so different yeah so there is an importance there and actually thinking about it now having the spotlight on sydney world pride next time is how we put a spotlight on lgbt rights in different parts of the world yes because in the southern hemisphere you've got all the asian countries there as well and it's great to like say, okay, now let's put the focus in this part of the world on LGBT rights and see what's happening and where do we need to push for more progress. And that is actually something that we found to be, because we always talk about how hard it has been in the pandemic to organize the, the World Pride. And of course it has been. It's been a real challenge and it's it's been the biggest challenge of my work life so far. Yeah. And I'm so impressed with all of my uh, co-workers and colleagues that, uh, that has had the energy and the competence to just again and again do yet another way of organizing the events in in a hybrid format but we always talk about the negative effects and of course there are a lot of negative effects but one of the positive ones is that we're actually more accessible than any world pride has ever been before uh, and i think that's something that we can bring with us and partly because we're doing a lot of digital uh, events um, most of the program on the Malmö side you can somehow be a part of uh, digitally as well but also that we got our embassies engaged so the Danish and the Swedish embassies all over the world have been organizing their own World Pride events and creating a safe space for the community for our uh, queer siblings all over the world in Nigeria or in uh, India or you know with with the stable internet connection to to be able to take part of the program in a safe space but also to make it visible of course yeah. so i really hope that we we have been reaching out as much as as we've tried to uh, to other parts of the world but this is a world pride it's not about only about the malmö and the copenhagen community or the swedish mm. and danish community we of course needs to focus on on the whole world queer community yeah so for our listeners and people tuning in from the world what kind of events can they expect to be a part of Oh, it depends on what they want, because we have thousands of events during these 11 days. Uh, Give us the highlights. We can't go through a thousand. <laughs> no. I mean, you already missed the opening parade here in Malmö, because that was Thursday. But on Saturday, the closing parade is in Copenhagen. And it's not the traditional big parade, but it's going to be six smaller pride marches. So I think that will be definitely an amazing to take part of. But also so we have so many lectures that are really niched. So I think that anyone can find their parts or their key interests, so to speak, 
we try to work a lot with knowledge spreading so that's mm -hmm. world pride house but then we have our for example we have our summit here uh, on uh, the 20th on friday on refugees borders and immigration where we have a lot of top politicians and uh, rights organizations from all over the world coming in to actually dig deeper into the refugee queer community which is community that we speak way too little about today and they are in such a need of, of bigger support than we're giving them today and um, so that will be a lot of focus on self-lived experiences from the community and to really try to make the decision makers the legislators uh, listen in and set up some new uh, structures on how to work with the queer uh, refugee community all over the world. And then, of course, the, the extensive arts and culture program, uh, which you can attend both in, in Malmö and Copenhagen, but also online. So I would definitely just recommend downloading the app or going into the website and, and find your uh, small treasures. Today, I'm going to go to a sing-along with the Malmö Opera House is uh, setting up Sound of Music this fall. And they're Amazing. giving us a, a sing-along version with the, the kids from the show that is running throughout the, uh, the fall. Amazing. So I'm going to go to Sound of Music sing-along with kids yeah. today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was going to say, you've got to enjoy it as well if you're planning it. <laughs> I try to. <laughs> So moving on slightly to the Euro Games, with over 4,000 athletes joining... I, I was pretty surprised to see. I hadn't heard of the Euro Games before. I'm pretty. Uh, I've lived a pretty sheltered life up until <laughs> this point. <laughs> but I often found that sport and queer people don't necessarily go hand in hand. I think uh, often they've had bad experiences growing up and stuff, and it's just not something that they mm -hmm. kind of gear towards. So my question kind of is: first of all, will you be taking part in that, or is there is the sing along, you know, the highlight of your of your pride experience this time? And um, you know how how important is it for for that as well to take place to have you know possibly the largest inclusive lgbtq plus sports event taking place mm. i think it's so important and i think that you're so right uh, to say that a lot of us has had bad experiences and which is also the reason for why a lot of queer people aren't involved in in different sports and that that of course has to change but we also have a few sports that are filled with queer people so for example i don't know if you know this but the swedish football team the women's side took silver medal in the, in the Olympics now, just a, a week ago or so. And we're working very closely with a, a football club here in Malmö called FC Rosengård. And they are one of the best clubs. And they, they work with these issues all the time. And I would say half their players are openly gay. And, you know, we still have a very big challenge when it comes to trans people in sports in general. Yeah. Because it's so binary. It's just the tradition of, uh, of being super binary. And I think that sports in general are really behind in these uh, questions. Yeah. We have uh, one of the world's best roller derby teams here in Malmö, and they're called Crime City Rollers. <laughs> and uh, I would say 99% of them are queer, 
uh, <laughs> and you know there there are always some communities that you can gather around but in general sports are very much behind and there's so much work to be done and i think that one of the reasons why there are so few queer people that has come out in sports of course they're there i'm not saying that there are no queer people in high position yeah. in sports of mm -hmm. course we, we do have that but i do think that we are underrepresented because we are kind of sorted out way before we get to that level me personally i will not take part of the of the tournament <laughs> because i am uh, really not interested you know doing sports myself but <laughs> but i think it's super interesting with the talks that they're arranging and uh, we have the inclusive sports forum we have the sports leader conference and that's our contribution to try to to get the yeah. um, national organizations to work better with these issues. Is the rollerblading going to be one of the sport events? Because there's 22 sport events happening. It was I don't supposed think I saw to that. be. Yeah, uh, roller derby was supposed to be one of the sports here in Malmö, but there weren't enough uh, people that signed up for it. So, oh, no. Yeah, so it was taken out. But it is. We, we should have joined. That, I was gonna. I was gonna do exactly that one, and then, <laughs> because it's not there, I can't do sports. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we do have like roller discos and, and stuff as a part of. Amazing. So um, that's all that matters. The club is very much involved, but uh, but the <laughs> tournament will not take place anywhere. Well, that's a shame. Yeah. I I can barely I can barely stand up uh, in normal shoes, so I'm not sure how I do in rollerblades. Uh, but maybe it's something we should try. I'm off seeing queer maybe. queer talk goes rollerblading. Yes, <laughs> um, I haven't. It's a lot of fun. My daughter used to uh, uh, do roller derby, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm just mad that she quit because it was the best community for me to hang out in. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just wonder if I can borrow someone else's kid and go there anyway. You should. Oh, you no. should. No, you sound like a pageant mum. <laughs> I've not actually been keeping up with the Olympics, but I see the headlines sometimes where there's a, I think there's a trans weightlifter. And it's, I would just personally like to get to a, a world where we can have trans inclusion and for it not to be a controversial headline. Yeah. That's, that's just where I want to be at with sports. For sure. But unfortunately, I think we have a long way to go until we are there. You know, when it's even controversial to come out as gay, I think I'm not. I'm at the same level as you are in um, interest in sports, I think. <laughs> so I don't really follow follow the news. But, but uh, I think it's hard to miss the big ones. And then I know that there was NHL player, the first NHL professional player that came out yeah. as gay just a couple of months ago. And that is... Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, that is even a controversial thing today. I mean, in men's football, I don't think there's a single active out player. No. Some of them come out when they retire, when it, they feel a bit safer. Yeah. But it goes to show how homophobic environments can be. For sure. Yeah. But obviously football is, I think, maybe one of the most homophobic. Uh, it's also the biggest public sport in the world. Mm. So, I mean, they yeah. have to lead the way. And, yeah, it's um, true. Uh, they didn't. They didn't put the rainbow flag up in the stadium, did they? For the uh, the 
with euros because it was too much of a political statement and it's like come on it's human rights yeah which is also weird uh i mean we, we did see the arenas lighting up all over the world in uh, in connection to uh, the frankfurt arena not being able to uh, or not being allowed by uefa to uh, to be uh, lighting up in in rainbow colors but yeah uh so i i do think that there is a change that is ongoing and and people are starting to uh to just see the ridiculousness of uh, of pride being a political message because it's really yeah. not it's it's really about fundamental human rights it should be just you know something that everyone does but it is it is still um it is still controversial and we had our Malmö football team uh, on the men's side MFF had a big game with our second biggest city in in Sweden which is Göteborg they had a game yesterday and they played in rainbow colored shirts and i've been in the process of planning this because uh, they're one of our partners and they are also working with the inclusive sports forum and, and stuff like that but it's such a big thing for them just to change the the numbers on their shirts into rainbow colors yeah um and it, yeah that just goes to show how important this still is if it's if it's so hard to do then we need to do it right <laughs> yeah we just have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing until they break um well, Copenhagen Eurogames can lead the way. Absolutely. We can at least, hopefully, we can at least contribute to to some change, and then um, I think we <laughs> we need to be humble, of course, about how how much change we can generate. But a lot of the work has been done before the festival, but there is so much to do after the festival as well, and to really hold on to this change because, as we said in the beginning of our talk, we we cannot just expect it to be as it is forever and ever uh, that is something that we still need to fight for and to move our positions forward instead of backwards uh, which we can see in many places around the world today so yeah coming to the end of our conversation i would like to just ask you one more question what would you say to lgbtq people and allies around the globe to encourage them to take part volunteer or celebrate pride whenever and wherever they are in the world I mean, there's nothing better than celebrating Pride together with other queers and the, the community in general. And of course, all of the allies. And I think it's just get a few days where we are the norm, right? Where yeah. we set the, the standard, where we are creating the atmosphere and everyone else, they can participate on our terms for once yeah. instead of it being the other way around. So I would recommend anyone and everyone to be a part of that. It's quite amazing. So Anna, it has been an absolute honour to sit down with you today. We're very grateful and very excited to be a part of World Pride in Copenhagen and Malmo. And yeah, we just want to thank you so much for, for making time for us. We know that you're super busy. We had to show you how to switch your phone off, which <laughs> which I, I'm sure has been a breeze for you. Um, and when you turn it back on, you're going to have 200 notifications and you're going to go crazy. But tell us how we can support you and uh, World Pride online. I think just be a part of, of the lectures. There, we have a lot of different interactive things and to just spread the word, of course, to, to make it visible mm. everywhere. 
So listeners, please remember to follow World Pride, Copenhagen Pride, Malmo Pride on Instagram, Twitter, check out the websites and continue to support incredible artists and individuals who have been platformed throughout the week. And do not forget to let us know that you have listened to our show on social media. We are on Instagram at queer underscore talk and on Twitter, we are queer talk underscore. Until next time. Bye. I really hope that you enjoyed that episode. I have gotten into the habit of re-listening to the episodes that we are airing. And I can say that I honestly love Spencer and Mufsin's dynamic. And I think that they are always so articulate and funny and really know how to engage with really serious, deep topics, but then always kind of find a twist to make it relatable to people who may not relate to the topics and the issues that they are exploring and talking about, but also to sprinkle that glitter on it because we sure need a little bit of extra dose of glitter during these times. As you may well know by now, we air new episodes every day with a queer theme, so don't forget to subscribe to the World Pride Pod stage at www.worldpridepodstage.com or honestly any place where you listen to podcasts because we're everywhere. Uh, this episode was produced by Bonnier News Brand Studio. We are so thankful that they're collaborating with us. Production and editing was done by the one and only awesome ally and co-creator Pella Esborn. I am Yael Poole, your host. Thank you for tuning in. And I will see you slash you will hear me <laughs> tomorrow. Have a really lovely day. <laughs>